as we welcome everyone tonight to this second night. And God will help us to culminate tomorrow night. In Jesus' name. Luke chapter 1. Verse 1. Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all, the, of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. Now, I took the time to read this. Uh, is it a prelude or introduction? Because I think it's very important for us to know where Luke is coming from. This is the third gospel account of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's very interesting to me to discover that St. Luke wrote not only this gospel, but he also wrote the historical account of the workings of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. So right off the bat, there's a prominence that Luke has that we should not ignore. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Luke, apart from this gospel, was found in at least three other passages. Colossians chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, and uh, Philemon verse 24. Uh, when you read those three passages together, you come to the conclusion that Luke was a missionary partner and laborer alongside with Apostle Paul. Are you following what I'm saying? This contest is leading somewhere. Otherwise, I will not be taking the time to talk about Luke in the way I'm, uh, in which I'm doing so. In one of the passages, I think the one in Timothy, Paul was actually lamenting that many of his disciples had forsaken him. He said, Demas had forsaken me, and then he went on and listed some others. He said, but Luke is still with me. So we see that Luke was a partner together in ministry, traveling alongside Apostle Paul. So you have to ask the question, then why? Why did God allow this guy to take a very close proximity to the great apostle that's given us all these wonderful things about the grace of God? Number one, we know that Luke was a physician. And in that wise, we are seeing a prototype here for all of you medical personnel to understand that there's a place for you in the ministry apart from the pulpit. So Luke becomes the prototype of those in the field of medicine who will travel and who will minister and who will share using their gift, their occupation to advance the frontiers of the kingdom. But secondly and most importantly, which I think is very, very important, as we are trusting God in this seventh month and the subsequent months, I want to say this to all of you who power adventure need some kind of medical intervention in your situation. You need to know that even though you are resorting to a medical intervention, you are not a second class son or daughter of God. You need to understand that God uses medicine to accomplish his purpose. That's the reason Luke as a physician traveled together with Apostle Paul. I don't want any of us, as we are pressing in and trusting God, to begin to get condemned, feel guilty or ashamed that you have to go see a doctor. I'm saying to you, God walks through those channels as well. As long as you understand that whatever a doctor says, there's a bigger doctor. Amen. Whoever that doctor is, is only taking its cues from Jehovah Rapha. 
the Lord God who is that healer. Amen. So if you ever have to see a doctor, don't feel bad about it. Pray that God will speak and use that doctor to give you the correct divine prescription that you need for your situation. We see this very clearly in the scripture in Timothy. Paul was talking to Timothy. He said, now, don't, don't take this adversely now, what Paul said to Timothy. He said, take a little wine. <laughs> now, I know some of you are waiting to hear that. So don't go out tonight and buy you a bottle of wine and say you heard it in church. But he told Timothy, he said, take a little wine because of what? Your infirmities, your stomach problems. Now, this is the great apostle. He could readily speak a word and Timothy will be healed. Hello? So I'm saying to you, don't allow the traditions of men to put you in bondage. God is able to save by few or by many. Hezekiah, we see that example as well. He was sick, had boils all over him. And in the scriptures, the Bible says, he should put some figs on the boils, and he put the figs on the boils, and the things disappeared. God prescribed the medicine, and the medicine healed him. So from the outset here, I want us to see that. Now let's move now. Let's dive quickly into the rest of this uh, passage. Because tonight I want to speak using the title, Believing versus Unbelieving. Believing versus unbelieving. So now in verse 5, verse 5 of Luke chapter 1. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias. Of the division of Abijah, his wife was of the daughter of, of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Please take note. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years. May I just take note and let you know in verse 6 when the, when the Bible says they were both righteous before God, they were walking in the commandments and ordinances and blameless. You need to understand what that all means in that economy. They were all righteous according to the righteousness of the law. What you and I have today is greater than what Zechariah's worked in. Ah, no, you guys didn't, you didn't get it. Let me just leave that alone. Verse 8. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. So now we need to quickly understand something here. According to this passage, incense in the Bible speaks to us of the prayers of the saints. Go with me to Revelation chapter 5. Quickly. Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. In verse 8. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, and the twenty-four elders, fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints. So now, the picture you need to see here is, we are told that Zechariah is burning incense. Symbolically, what that means was, he was praying. Now, it's important that you follow this thought and see what's happening here. This man of God was praying and we are told that an angel came to answer his prayer and said to him, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Question for us tonight is, when we pray, do we pray with anticipation to hear an answer? Or have we been praying for so long about a situation until we are in such a default, when the answer comes, we don't recognize it? Because Zechariah here, from what we have told, 
He's been in this condition, him and his wife, for a long time. And obviously, they ministered in the priesthood on a regular basis. So he's praying. The air brought his answer. But for some reason, he was not anticipating a yes. He's been used to getting no, 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 no for so long. No had become his default. Huge. The idea here is every time you and I pray, it must be fresh. Not only must it be fresh, our expectancy, our anticipation for God to do something must be new. It was Jeremiah that says, Ha, your mercies are new every day, every morning. The Bible says it, every morning brings in a new anticipation of new mercies. Yeah. I can't use yesterday's mercies today. It's gone. So I have to anticipate every new day to bring me fresh new mercies from God. Now, let's read one more chapter in Revelation chapter 8 because I want to discover what's happening here. Revelation chapter 8 in verse 3. I, I really need a time to establish this. Revelation 8 verse 3. The, then another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was giving much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. Verse 4. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Watch this. Verse 5. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, an earthquake. What is this describing? The point here being, the book of Malachi tells us that there's a book of remembrance. Every time you open your mouth and talk to God, God remembers it and captures it. Revelation chapter 8 tells us that it gives us the dynamics of prayer and what God does with prayer. So this is the idea. And I want you to catch this. This is the reason Jesus said, men ought to always pray and not to faint. Faint there means don't lose heart. Men ought to always pray and not lose heart. Why? Because you do not know how much more prayer you need before God. In Revelation chapter 8, treats down your bowls of prayer and there will be thunders and lightnings and earthquakes on the earth. Oh, you didn't get it. You did not 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 get it. Okay, let me back up. Let me back up. Because you, you have to understand it. Let me back up. In Luke chapter 11, when Jesus was teaching, in verse 9, he said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Is that correct? Yes. Knock and it shall be opened. He says, everyone who asks receives. Is that correct? Yes. Give me that scripture in the Amplified, please. Luke chapter 11, verses 9 and 10. Thank you. You have it here already, but give it amplified. Thank you. Look at this. Look at verse 9. So I said to you, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. What are we saying here? Give me verse 10. Verse 10. For everyone who asks, and keeps on asking, receives. Do you see the difference? I'm not sure you see the difference. In other words, some of the asking you do it one time and you get a manifestation. At other times, you do it and you keep doing it. That was the story that Jesus was telling in Luke chapter 11 when he talks about the persistence of the woman who continues to knock on the door until the friend opens the door. So the, uh, the idea here is ask, keep on asking. Knock, keep on knocking. Seek, keep on seeking. Because you do not know how much of your asking is filling the bowl in heaven. 
And according to what we just read in Revelation chapter 5 and chapter 8, when that bowl is filled, the angels turn it back on the earth. There's lightnings, there's thunderings, there's earthquake. What does that signify? That signifies the reply that comes down to the earth as a result of your asking. How do we know this is true? We know it's true because in Genesis 15, God said concerning the Amorites, he said the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. In other words, there's a measure. I don't know what that measure is. You don't know what that measure is. And that's why you and I cannot stop asking, knocking, and seeking. Amen? Amen. This is huge. Because some of us faint or lose heart because we've not gotten the result the first time we do it or the second time we do it. God is giving you the assurance. Keep on coming. Keep on knocking. Keep on knocking. Keep on asking. Because as long as you continue to be persistent in what you believe for, you are going to see the money. You're going to see it. Amen. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you right now that we will not be faint-hearted. You said to us in your word that we should not be weary in well-doing because we will reap if we do not faint. I pray for every fiery, every, every, every weary heart, every, uh, everyone that's feeble in their persistence, in their capacity, right now, Lord God, that they be renewed Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Mm. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Why do we keep on coming? We keep on coming because our coming, our continued coming, proves to God we believe he has the answer. Yes, 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 yes. By continuing to come. I mean, look, listen. My grandson, Joseph. The boy, he, 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 said, he said, Papa, I want to watch your business. It's this car raising thing that he likes to watch on TV. Now, he, he may ask me the question when I'm in the bedroom. And I need to walk to the living room to turn the TV on for him. Do, do, do you think that boy stops? It's like, it's like, a, it's like a music. He said, Papa, I want to watch Blaze. Papa, Papa, Blaze. I said, Jojo, I'm coming. He, he hears me say, I'm coming. Does it he, does he stop? No. No. Until he sees the thing, it doesn't stop. It's like a record. He say, keeps on saying it over and over and over. And I'm saying, Jojo, I heard you. I'm coming. He, said, he doesn't stop. Why? He has a guarantee. He's absolutely certain that I will oblige him and do what he's asking for. Your father wants you to have that confidence in him that no matter what your need is, that you come to him and continue to come to him until you receive the manifestation of whatever that is. Zechariah has prayed. Unfortunately, because he didn't get the answer, day one, year one, day two, year two, when the answer finally came, his default need mode had become normal. And therefore, he couldn't receive what God brought to him. Let's read on. Are you following me so far? Okay. On and on and on and on. Let me, let me just jump here. Verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? From an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. I pray in the name of Jesus that you're going to receive glad tidings from God not many days ends in the name of Jesus that we will not be like Zacharias that when glad news come you will openly receive the glad news with joy and with gratitude and you give God glory for the glad news that's about to come to you in Jesus name glad news is about to come to you glad tidings is on its way to you in the name of Jesus hallelujah good news came Zechariah said, how can I know this? Now, is it wrong to ask God a question? No. It is not wrong to ask a question. 
The issue is, what kind of question are you asking? Zechariah's question was questioning the reality and the outcome. How can I know this? In case you don't know God, do you know what my birth certificate is? I'm an old man, and so is my wife. Do you have eyes to see? He was questioning the ability of God to deliver the reality. There's a difference. You can ask questions, but I'm telling you tonight, you need to know the kind of questions to ask God. The one he just asked is a no-go question. Because this question is questioning God's ability to do what he said. Has he not known that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above that which you are able to think or ask, according to the power that's at work with him. I pray for you tonight. You will never limit God. In the name of Jesus, you will not question God's ability concerning your life. God is able to make all things well with your soul, with your body, with your spirit, with your household, on your job, in your businesses. God is able to rewrite your destiny. In the name of Jesus, you give him the liberty to do so. Zechariah was questioning God's outcome. You don't do that. That's a no-go. In fact, we see the other example of that. In Numbers 13, don't turn there. What happened to the Israelites? Go to possess the promised land. A land flowing with milk and honey. Moses, send us some spies so they can confirm and bring testimony that what I said to you is real. Those guys went. Numbers 13, verse 32, verse 33. And they came back. Ha! They said those guys, they are giants. They are giants in stature. Not only are they giants, we, look at us, we are like grasshoppers. Both in their side and in our side. My goodness. You are grasshopper? Do you know what that means by extension? Absolutely. If you are calling yourself a grasshopper, and you are made in the image and likeness of God, then you've reduced my God to a grasshopper. Now you see what the problem is. Never question the outcome. Never. You're going to see Mary in a moment. Never question the outcome. Did God not know giants were in the land? Did he not know that before he got them out of Egypt? Now, they got to the border of their promised land. And they began to backslide in their thinking. And God said, you guys are not ready. Now, let's move on. Luke chapter 1, get. Verse 20. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. In other words, Zechariah became deaf and dumb which is a sign of the spirit of unbelief. We need to take a good pause there. The sign of the spirit of unbelief. The Bible said it clearly. Because he did not believe, he became dumb. And deaf. Because you can see that later on in the chapter. This is huge. The reason many people cannot receive truth from God is because of this deaf and dumb spirit. Now, there are times when people are physically deaf and physically dumb. That, are, that is true sometimes. But for the most majority of the time, is the inability to hear the word of God and respond to it. The inability to speak what God is speaking. And when that begins to happen, we may be able to speak physically and hear physically, but if we cannot hear God and speak back to God, we have embraced a deaf and dumb spirit. And usually that happens because of the spirit of unbelief. Yes. I showed you last Sunday. I can't go into all of that now. It's interesting though in Mark chapter 9, in that story, notice the father came to Jesus. He said, I believe, help my unbelief. But what was happening? 
his son was deaf and dumb. Oh, you can connect the dot. Where did the boy get that spirit? The unbelief that's going around in his house. <laughs> you are speaking things in the atmosphere that is totally faithless, powerless, unbelieving. Your children are hearing it. It's piercing their spirit. And before you know it, they have imbibed and become a deaf and dumb spirit. You send them to school, they can't do well in school, and you're wondering why can't they? They can't, of course, they can't do well. Why? Because they cannot receive any longer. And I told you the symptoms. I gave that to you last Sunday. Negativity. Everything you speak is negative. Critical spirit. Pessimist. We are not able. Everything you see is negative. You can't say anything good at anything. Any business deal I bring to you, you kill it. Reasoning. You just reason things to death. Because now Zechariah is saying to God, listen to me God, you know how old I am? Have you considered my age or my wife's age? I guess he didn't read about Abraham. And he's a priest. Should I say this to you? Zacharias was a priest, meaning symbolically he was a believer. How many believers are praying and they don't expect God to answer? Now if you ask them, they will never say to you, I don't want God to answer. No, they won't say that. But everything else that's coming out of them is saying, yes. Because God must bring the answer the way your head has reasoned it. And if it does not come the way God has reasoned, the way you've reasoned it, you can accept it. So, because of his unbelief, he became deaf and dumb. All right. Verse 24. I'm jumping. Now, after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and she hid herself five months. Oh my God, five months. Not four months, not six months, five months. My Lord God, does anybody see grace in this situation here? She hid herself in grace. My God, grace began this thing, grace has to finish it. Thus the Lord had dealt with me in those days when he looked among people. No, let me say that again. Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Father, in the name of Jesus, I make a declaration over every man and every woman in this house. Whatever pain they've borne, whatever shame they have had to bear, whatever reproach has come upon them, whatever disappointment they have faced, my Lord God, in this seventh month, we are pressing in and we thank you for the cancellation and the annulment of every one of these situations in the name of Jesus. They will no longer have to bear the pain. Why? Because you bore our pain. You bore our infirmities. And so by your stripes, we bring healing to every man, every woman, every situation, every shame, every guilt, every condemnation in the name of Jesus. No longer a reproach. You will no longer have to be a reproach. In the name of Jesus, all your failures are turned to successes. All your setbacks will become progress. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Where you've had shortages, God will give you surplus. I said God will give you surplus. I said God will give you surplus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, up till now, we've been seeing the unbelieving. It's amazing to me that in the same chapter, Side by side, God will give an example of the unbelieving and the believing. You don't have to dig too far. You don't have to search too much. Right in the same chapter, you see both examples. 
And look at what God did here. In verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to God by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. Ha, yeah, 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 yeah. Why did he wait six months? Why? Why did God wait six months? Why did he wait before he went to Mary? God wanted to establish so that from the sign of Elizabeth, Mary can be encouraged. Ah, uh, you guys are not hearing me. I said to you last night, I said to you on Sunday, God will show us a sign. Amen. And from that sign, you and you and you and you and all of us can gain our encouragement. He has already given us our sign. Yes, For Mary, it was Elizabeth. Yes, For you at work fine, it is Abigail. Yes. Grace. Yes. God brought that forth as a sign for you in the sixth month. Yes. You guys didn't hear me. In the sixth month, he brought it forth. These things are not coincidental. These things are not just writings and letters. These are divine. God brought you a sign. Just so you can be encouraged. Because when you hear the testimony of Abigail, grace, you have said to yourself, if God did that, my God, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, if he did that, he can do this. Hallelujah! So the angel waited six months. Let Elizabeth be fully established on the veracity of that establishment. Now let's go to Mary. Because you see, what's about to happen to Mary has never happened before. At least in Zechariah's time, in his own situation, there's a husband and wife who are legally sleeping together. So they have every right to expect and anticipate a child. What are you going to say about a virgin who had no husband? Who has never known a man? So for her case, God knew she would need an encouragement. She needed confirmation. God will send you confirmation. God will send you encouragement. God will place somebody in your life that will sing the song he's writing in your heart. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> That's why we need testimonies. Because Revelation chapter 12 says we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the words of our testimony. We need somebody testify so you can hear that what's happening to you is not unique just to you. That God has done me before and there is nothing new under the sun. Woo, glory to God. Verse 28. And having come, the angel said to her, Rejoice! Highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And I repeat those same words to you tonight. I said to you rejoice. I said to you rejoice. I said you are highly favored. And the Lord is with you. And you are blessed among men and women. Oh. Now let me tell you why I'm saying that. Let me tell you why I'm saying I'm not just speaking. I'm telling you to rejoice tonight. I'm telling you you're highly favored. I'm telling you the Lord is with you. I know it. 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 Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, let me tell you why you should shout. Let me tell you why you should shout. Why would the angel greet Mary like that? 
Why would the angel say to her, Rejoice? You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The reason the angel made that proclamation, the reason she was favored, is because she is about to carry the Christ man. What brought favor to her life is the fact that she's carrying the Christ man. Oh my God. Mary was highly favored. But I'm about to tell you tonight, you are doubly favored. I said you are doubly favored. Why are you doubly favored? Mary only carried him on the inside. But the Bible tells me and you that the Christ in you is the hope of glory. But not only is the Christ in you, but also the Bible says you have been placed in Christ. So you have it in you and you also have been placed in him. You got twice what Mary had. He, she was highly favored. You are doubly favored. I pronounce upon you the double favor of God in the name of Jesus. Favor in the morning. Favor in the noontime. Favor at midnight. Everywhere you go, favor is following you. Favor is a garment upon you. Favor is your cloak. In the name of Jesus, you are favored. You are doubly favored. You are doubly favored. Hallelujah. Receive it tonight. Receive it tonight. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. You are doubly favored. You are doubly favored. Hallelujah. Your world has not seen another one like you before. Everything that they've seen, they have not seen a man or a woman who is doubly favored. They've seen people that have been favored, but they've not seen people that have been doubly favored. I said double-double is yours. I said double-double is yours. I said double-double is yours. In the name of Jesus, everything is double-double. Everything is double-double. Now, let me just try to finish this. Yeah. Verse 34. Look one verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? Now, remember Zechariah asked a question? And so Mary is also asking a question. What's the difference? I know this afternoon I asked God some questions. I did. And on my way to church, I got the answers. What's the difference? Zacharias was asking a question concerning the outcome. Mary, on the other hand, was asking a question concerning the method. Methodology. It is all right to ask God, you're going to prosper, prosper me. Which way, God? How are you going to do it? Is it IBM, GE, or is it my own business? How? Which method? How are you going to do it? After all, he says, come, let us reason together. He's not an unreasonable God. He just does not want you and I to question the outcome that he has already purposed before you got here. So Mary asked, and the angels said, to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now look at verse 36. Now indeed Elizabeth your relative has also conceived a son in her old age. Why is the angel telling her this? To strengthen her resolve. You're already believing. I'm going to give you more information. My God. To him that hath much more will be given. To him that hath not. What he has will be taken away. So for Mary. Because she was already on the believing journey. Ah. Then you said. 
you are my kind of person. Yes. Let me give you more information. Yes, in yes. fact, in fact, Elizabeth, your relative, you yes. know her, you know how old she is. Yes. In her old age, she's conceived. Oh. And now she is in her sixth month. Wow. Watch this. And the time is almost gone, but just allow me, give me five or ten more minutes, I'll, I'll be done. Watch this. When you get such an information, what do you do with it? Because the angel just said to her, Elizabeth is pregnant. If you're a believer, a man or a woman who is not deaf or dumb, oh, you do more than rejoicing. Watch what Mary did. <laughs> Let me read verse 37. I can't miss that. For with God, nothing The American standard version says it this way. No word from God shall lack power. No word from God to you tonight will lack power. I said no word from God to you tonight will lack the power to perform it. In the name of Jesus. Because when God speaks that word to you, inherent within the world was the ability and the power to bring it to pass. Father, in the name of Jesus, every word, every promise you have made concerning your people tonight, before now, in ages past, however long it was, I thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name that we have the assurance that no word from you will lack the power of performance. And so, Lord, we speak concerning your people with God, nothing shall be impossible in Jesus' name. Mary's response, verse 38. Then Mary said, Behold, the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. That should be our response. Every time you read a scripture that speaks to you, don't just hurry off and go away and go and eat hamburger. Please, sit there for a moment. Speak back to the word. Because in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. So if the word is speaking to you, speak back to the word. Say to the word, let it be unto me according to your word. I receive the word. Let the word of God pregnate me. Let the seed of the word of God come inside me so I can give birth in due season. Now, this is what I'm saying about Mary. In verse 36, the angel simply dropped a name. Elizabeth, your relative, is pregnant. No further instruction. None. Look at verse 39. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country. Bishop, somebody give me money from your bag. With haste. With haste. I cannot understand this careless, nonchalant attitude where God is speaking to us and we're dilly, dallying, wandering, pondering, delaying, and just lingering. And we are told here in this verse 39 that when Mary was told that Elizabeth is pregnant, she didn't try to think about it. She didn't ponder about it. She didn't ask Joseph about it. She didn't ask anybody. She, Baba said she went to the hill country with haste. There's expediency. The king's business desires haste. The king's business desires urgency. God don't speak to you to give to a cause or a person to a ministry or a church on Friday and you wait on Wednesday to do it. It's too late. Don't do that. God don't say to go and pray for so so and so, and you wait till two weeks later to go and do it. It's too late. The angel just said, Elizabeth is pregnant. 
That's all Mary needed to hear. She was gone. Out of the door. In haste. Why? She needs to behold this wonder of God. Amen. Ha! She needs to behold this wonder with her eyes. Because there's a dynamics that's taking place here. Yeah. Yeah. And entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Now watch this. And it happened when Elizabeth, Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe lived in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. What would have happened if Mary didn't go? There is a soul waiting that God wants to bless because of what you are carrying. And if you don't go, not only do you miss the joy of seeing the fulfillment of what God wants to do in your life, but the whole soul is waiting. The baby had been in her for six months. She never heard a movement. But the moment Mary entered the house, Remember, she's carrying somebody. Hey, immediately she entered her house with the glory of God she was carrying and greeted Elizabeth and she heard it. She was filled with the Holy Spirit and the baby lived. Your baby will live tonight. Every dream that you've forsaken, every plan and project that is rusting away on the shelf, I pray as you hear the voice of God tonight in the name of Jesus, your baby will leap. Your baby will leap for joy, that promotion, that favor, that blessing, that business, that family, everything will begin to leap for you in the name of Jesus. Now, what happened? See what happens. This is the reason we need one another. Mary's blessed Elizabeth, not knowing what to expect. Verse 42. And it happened. No, no. Verse, verse 42, yeah. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, that's Elizabeth, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Who told her? Who told Elizabeth? If Mary ever needed a confirmation that the angel was not just drinking, if she needed a confirmation that what God has said to her is real, here she walks into Elizabeth, who did not know Jack about anything that's happened. First, Elizabeth gets filled with the Holy Ghost. Her baby leaps, and out of the dynamics of the Holy Spirit taking place in her, she begins to utter. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Amen. The people you minister to, they will prophesy to you. Amen. They declare good things concerning you. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Whether they like it or not, because it's not them. It's of them to do so. It's of God. Because every good gift and every perfect gift, they come from above, from the Father of light, in whom there's no very goodness, neither the shadow of turning. God will send you to places of which you do not expect anything, yeah. but blessings will be waiting for you. Amen. Verse 43, but why is this granted to me? That the mother of my Lord come to me. Elizabeth here has been totally taken over by the Spirit. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she. Who what? <laughs> you see the difference? For Zechariah, because he did not believe, he became deaf and dumb. Mary, in contrast, Elizabeth said, Blessed is she who believed for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Incredible. Two contrasting examples in the same chapter. 
one of a seasoned man of God who prayed for a lifestyle but didn't have any faith. The other for a young girl who had no experience with God. The only thing she had going for her was the simplicity of her faith. Just believe God. What are you going to do tonight? Are you going to believe God? Or are you going to continue to argue with God? Because when you look at both situations, for sure, Mary's case was a much harder case. How many times since then has a virgin given birth? We know, we know a lot of old people that's given birth. Only one time. There was no precedent for it. Not before and since. The only thing she had going for her, she believed. She believed. She believed. Tomorrow night, we're going to address those emotions that give away our unbelief. Because I don't want us to live these three days without addressing those things. Because like I'm saying to you, like, like I said to you on Sunday, you need to take stock. You should not accept these things as normal. No. No. Don't be in denial about them. Don't accept them. And don't just say, well, I'm just talking. No, you're not just talking. This is what a spirit. It's not what comes into a man that defies, what comes into a man that defies, but what goes into a man. Jesus made that clear. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's rise to our feet tonight. Oh, Father God. Pastor Charles, close us in prayer, please. Just say a prayer, just benediction prayer, something. For blessed are those who believe. For there shall be a performance of the things that were spoken to them. Father, I thank you for your people rise up in faith. And with one voice as one man we declare we believe, Father. We believe you, Father. We believe you for a performance of the things that have been spoken. We believe you for a manifestation of your promises in our lives. Father, we thank you. We walk free of unbelief today. Father, we walk in faith. And we believe you, my Father. It shall be unto us, like Mary, according to your word. And I thank you, eternal Father. You are the God of all grace, to whom all glory belongs. For you desire to bring glory to yourself. Let us glorify you, O Father, when we speak of your manifold blessings in our lives. Thank you, Father. We go forth tonight, my Father, richly encouraged, richly blessed, imbued with faith, my Father, Believing for miracles, O oh Father. We thank you, O oh Father. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.